0: Well, when we started this, this uh, whole series on hell, I had indicated that one of the most important things because of the gravity of the subject matter is that, is that we ought to take time to pray on our way over here, uh, you know, the night before. Uh, even when we get started, as we always do, we open in prayer. But uh, my heart is that as we go through the discussion. in the New Testament is coming right from the mouth of the Lord himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that that should matter any more so than any other word that is spoken um, in the canon of scripture. It's all God's word, amen? Yeah. But Jesus has something to say about hell, but so does the Old Testament, because the Old the groundwork, and then in the New Testament, Jesus himself, and we're going to go there tonight, Jesus himself takes what the first century Jewish mindset would be about hell, Gehenna specifically, and then he expands on that because they would have understood. So as we've been talking about this historically, it's important. context first, because if we're going to understand, we need two things. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need to educate ourselves relative to what was happening in the first century, so when Jesus was talking to his audience, we have an understanding of what they would have understood, because the words matter, and they don't They didn't even use the same language. Mm -hmm. And so what we've done is we've fast-forwarded a couple of thousand years, and we're trying to understand the theology and the doctrine of hell from the mindset of a 21st century Ohioan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not the same as a 1st century Jew. It's just not. So so you have to bear with me as we go through this, because it's kind of important to go there, because it matters. It just matters. So, we're going to start like we always start. I guess technically we want not start. So, shame on us for not praying before we got started, right? Yeah. Who would like to pray? <laughs> Scott. Of torment by description, and <laughs> it, is, it is fraught with the imagery <coughs> of fire and darkness. We'll see more of that tonight. Well, yeah. because of the evangelistic
1: event that I aspire to, that you have your ticket to hell is not accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. By There's
2: definition,
0: who doesn't accept Jesus. By definition. Uh, so, theologically, you, you made a theological statement that if you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ <laughs> as your Savior and Lord, then that then hell is a place for you. And as you said, with some other things, it's, it's people, a lot of people in the world
3: say that Jesus is claimed to God and all that, but Jesus says what I just said.
0: Jesus said what you just said. I'm still looking for one more word, so I'm... I'm I'm continuing to go around the room, so by definition punishment for sin. Punishment. That's the word that I was looking for. So what we see is all of those all of those definitions and descriptions are indeed quite accurate. But a biblical, a true biblical definition of hell is God's place of final punishment. And why is it that it is God's place of final punishment. And his punishment, isn't that harsh?
3: Can you also say punishment for not accepting Jesus? Can you? No. He's not. <laughs> 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 I Well, mean, because if you accept him, the punishment of sin is much.
1: Lot. Hold on to that thought, because we're going to
0: explore that tonight. Because one of the issues that we have to address is the biblical reality that the definition of hell is God's final punishment. Because a lot of people don't like that word. I don't like that word. Punishment is not a good thing to think about in terms of anybody that would reject Christ.
1: Isn't it? So, so maybe is it is it the punishment of sin because you didn't accept Jesus Christ? Therefore, you're not cleansed of, of sin. Okay, right. So it's not necessarily a punishment for not accepting the Lord, but it's, it's the punishment of the
0: sin that goes along with the life you live away from Jesus. Okay, hold on, hold on to that because we're going to look at some very specific scripture in that regard tonight.
4: devil
0: and his angels. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bible says also. It absolutely mm-hmm. does say that. And we're going to read that specific scripture this evening. Billy Graham mentioned that in his sermon this afternoon when he was preaching. Ah, that. so it's fresh on your, on your mind and on that's your heart. That's what he preached. Absolutely. Okay. absolutely. And yeah. exactly. uh, it
3: seems like we're looking at it. Because we believe on Christ, uh, or if you don't believe on Christ, you're, you're saved to hell. But we're condemned already. We're saved from throwing to hell. Mm-hmm. I think we might have had a turnaround in there or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but would the greatest sin of
0: all be not accepting Jesus? Right. Well, there's a there is a, uh, there's a price to pay for that. So, with all good thoughts, I'm trying to leave some of this open in the design. we to take a look at what the Bible says about it. That's that unforgivable sin that people have been debating for generations, right? Is that the unforgivable, unforgivable sin? Well, if we look as being a place of God's final punishment, there's two things there that are important, both punishment and final. Now we looked at the words that the Bible uses for hell that are familiar to us last week, and we got through most all of them, with the exception of the last two that I refocus on to start tonight. And what Yeah, henna. Lake of fire. Lake of fire. Mm-hmm. The the abyss. The abyss. Perfect. That pretty much nailed down the ones that we are most familiar with. There are more, are there not? There are more words in Scripture that are descriptive of what they are descriptive of. And so we don't want to get confused. And the words that mean hell, mm-hmm. and so um, I, I say that by virtue of the fact that there are many interpretations, and there are many of hell, and then there's then we have this issue to deal with. Okay, mm-hmm. so I have an NIV, mm-hmm. <laughs> and if Doris were here, she would have a new. an ESV, and then the, and, but there's, there's a bunch of different Bible translations, and it's important to slow the train down, because some of them are word for word, some of them are thought for thought, and some of them are quite literal, and so uh, it's important, because we're going to see some different words tonight, okay? and so it's going to be important to understand where those words come from and what they mean. so hell, Sheol, we, we, we saw that Sheol and Hades are really the same thing in Scripture because one is the Hebrew word one is the Greek word, but they mean the realm or, or, a, or, or a location of the dead that's what it literally means so both of those words mean the same thing so Hades and Sheol are a place where where do you go when you die? where do, where do you go? when you die, that's a specific question to you. Where are you going to go? Heaven. Okay? And if there were somebody in the room that is not a believer, right now, and they die, where does the Bible say they go? Hell. Okay.
2: Hell.
0: So, and specifically what word would the Bible typically use to describe that place? Hades. Hades. That's the place. We looked last week is hell and we didn't finish this because we can't because it's too deep. It's too big a subject. <laughs> it's too big a subject. But we have Hades. So those that die outside of Christ, the Bible says go someplace. We're going to take a look at this starting next week when we look at that when we look at that. About the rich man and Lazarus and the ch- and the chasm that is between the two places where they are. And there's a lot to be learned from that particular terrible uh, story, if you will. But so, if you die, you go to Hades, and is that the permanent place then? No, it is not. Okay, so why not? eternity that we saw in the lake of fire and so just like heaven, there is a present heaven when Christ said to the thief on the cross God, today you will be with me in paradise. And then we find out that that paradise, absent the body present the Lord, amen? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? All the promises that we can't even conceive of, and yet that's not it. That's not it. There is the new heavens and the new earth that God is going to Is our home. Okay, we're here temporarily, and the same has to be said for those not in Christ. Mm -hmm. And that is scary. Mm -hmm. Or it certainly should be. Mm -hmm. If not for them, Mm -hmm. it should be for us. If we have a heart for people at all,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. at all, it should be one that is Mm -hmm. grieving over the fact that anybody that dies without receiving Christ is going to be in Hades and that ultimately we are going to see tonight because what was hell designed for who the, according to Billy Graham's sermon today the, the devil, devil and, his angels. and his angels now we're going to take a look at that very specifically because the that's devil our, and his angels and they're going to be living. that's right. That is right. So we look at this word Sheol, and we know that that's the Hebrew, and Hades is the Greek, and we're comfortable with that, because that is what is written. And then we looked at this word Gehenna, and that's where I want to start tonight with the finishing off of our history lesson, because Gehenna, from last week, somebody summarized that for us. Gehenna is what? It's an eternal fire. It's a place of eternal fire, we know that. It's the down. It's a, trash dump. it's a trash dump. It's where they sacrifice their children. It's where they sacrifice their children. I didn't hear anybody... <laughs> okay. Well, that's really interesting because it's one of the reasons I asked a question on the on the front of the uh, evening was, did anybody get their dander up last week on mm-hmm. any... And I said that Gehenna is not a trash dump. Right. You know? And that,
2: I only saw a couple of ruffled feathers.
0: <laughs> and the two people that I know got ruffled by that, unfortunately, aren't here tonight. Right? No. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Because we have to take a look at what the biblical reality and the biblical truth is. So let's take a look at this Gehenna word again. And let's uh, let's go. By the way, if it's not a trash dump, why do we refer to it as such? Perhaps. What's another reason that we might refer to Gehenna as a place, a burning place that was?
4: trash. trash dumps. Yes. Hmm. Because they used to burn trash dumps. Yes. Hmm. They yeah. put right. yes. yeah, the refuge, the oh. refuge outside
0: the city. They put outside the cities, just like they do in a lot, in a lot of uh, third world countries today. It's, it hasn't changed in the last few thousand years. Okay. But specifically, when we talk about Gehenna, and somebody says that Gehenna is a landfill or a trash dump that was constantly on fire. I'm telling you, that is not biblically correct. It's just not. <laughs> so I was hoping that last week that when I said that, that might challenge somebody by, to go to org or someplace and say, I've always heard it's a trash dump. It's gonna be a trash dump, it's always gonna be a trash dump. <laughs> well we have to be biblically accurate, don't we? So what's the point of being Bible students here <clears throat> if we're not going to be open to the fact that the Bible has to speak for itself. So, so let's take a look at that. So, is it trash up or isn't it? Let's <laughs> look. Turn to second, 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 second Kings sixteen three. <laughs> First scripture <laughs> on your altar. And somebody, please, actually, if you could uh, read, somebody read Second Kings sixteen three, and then somebody else read Second Kings twenty.
3: Follow the ways of the king of Israel, and even sacrificed his son in the fire,
1: he the of the nation. nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. And
0: Second Kings
4: twenty-one six. He sacrificed his own son in the fire, he practiced sorcery and divination, consulted me- mediums and spirits and he did much evil, and the of the Lord, provoking him to anger.
0: We're talking about Gehenna here, and that's the context. And we know that the word Gehenna comes from what? We looked at this last week. The root of the word Gehenna is the Valley of Hinnom. And this Valley of Hinnom was a place where the Israelites, when they were being incredibly disobedient, decided that they were going to go and worship the gods. Remember who the they are? The Canaanite gods. The Canaanite gods. Do you remember the name of the gods that they were worshiping in the about Molech and Baal. Baal? And so they went to this this dark side by rejecting the truth of the loving God, and began to worship. And one of the practices was burning their children. Child sacrifice. And we see throughout 2 Kings, and we see throughout the Old Testament that there is writing in both 2 Kings, in Jeremiah, in Isaiah, and in Daniel, Daniel, and another in Jeremiah, in just a second, where this valley was a place of slaughter, according to Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. In fact, Jeremiah said that it should be renamed the Valley of Slaughter, because Mm -hmm. these people were practicing pagan religions, and they were sacrificing their children by lighting them on fire. They were burning their children on the altar, to these two Canaanite Mm -hmm. gods. This is a horrific thing. But this is setting the tone for what the first century Jews were going to understand when Jesus came on the scene and started talking about hell. Because Jesus is going to use the word Gehenna when he's talking to his first century audience and now his 21st century audience. And we have to understand what that means. So Gehenna means the valley of Hinnom where these these children were being sacrificed. And we're not told how many, but we're told in the Old Testament as a setup that this valley was going to be filled with corpses. geography, and you go, because the place is still there. It's still there. And it's a really big valley. Which means that when the Bible tells us that this valley was going to (coughs) be filled with the corpses, dead bodies, we're talking about a lot. exactly. And the point is, Yehenna is referring to the valley of Hinnom, where there were child sacrifices and lots of them, and
4: Jeremiah
0: calls it the valley of slaughter, <laughs> and there was a constant fire there. But so far in the Old Testament, The garbage dump that is referred to in uh, in the Bible is always a reference to the refuge that is just outside of not just the city of Jerusalem. Every city had one. So let's be careful where we get our information. Frankly, it's not that important. But it's interesting that we need to know accuracy, don't we? Because if we're going to accurately divide the Word of God, we need to know where it comes from. Okay, So, Jeremiah 7, 29-32. I'm just going to read that real quick. Cut off your hair and throw it away. Take up a lament on the barren heights, for the Lord has rejected and abandoned this generation that is under His wrath. The Lord is the Lord of wrath. consistent with the whole the of whole Scripture. Verse 30. The people of Judah have done evil in my eyes, declares the Lord. They have set up their detestable idols in the house that bears my name and have defiled it. They have built on the high places of Topech. In the valley of where? That's the valley we're talking about. Yeah, henna is the reference that is used later on. But it is the valley of Hennah. Van-Hennah to burn their sons and daughters in the fire. Something I did not command, nor did it ever enter my mind. They're doing these detestable things. Mm Verse 32. So beware the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer call it Topheth, or the valley of Benham, but the valley of slaughter, for they will bury the dead in Topheth until there is no more room. Mm -hmm. Now, this is quite literal in this valley. They were slaughtering so many people in the area of sacrifice to these pagan gods that Jeremiah is prophesying here that there will be no more room. There will be so many dead. We can't get we can't lose sight of the of the
4: gravity of this because this is where the word Gehenna gets its root. It's in this valley of death and fire,
0: the constant fires. We don't know how many altars there were to burn children. But we do know that procreation was taking place here for the sole purpose of taking little babies and burning them to death. That's what was going on here. Can you imagine that being the purpose for your life to procreate, ladies, and then put your child on a stone altar to be sacrificed in fire. Now we're getting a little, we're getting a
4: little taste now of this Gehenna and the gravity
0: of what is behind the word. It's it's critical that we understand this because. After tonight, we're going to be looking at what Jesus says about hell. And we've got to know that this is the baseline, and it starts in the Old Testament. It doesn't start when Jesus comes on the scene. It starts way before that, when people are doing these detestable things. So this reference to him has no, absolutely no reference to a garden. And detestable things that are being done by people that are just like you and me. The crazy thing is that if you think about it for a moment, I know this is difficult, but we're just as capable (laughs) in our depravity. We don't want to think
4: about it that way. I hesitated to say something about it, but. Things have not changed, no. <laughs> the, the evidence mm-hmm. of abortion are burned as biohazardous waste. Mm-hmm. They take the real fetuses out
0: and burn them. How many babies were killed last year in this country? Well, alone? 58 legally? million so far. 58 million babies have mm-hmm. been aborted since it became legal, and you're right. Is there a difference between that? Not really. It's not really. There was specificity here in terms of a sacrifice to a pagan god, but right. really, the, it's
3: only, the only real difference is they're not getting pregnant in order to. Do that. You're
0: right. The similarities are striking. Right. Are they not? Mm-hmm. Are they not? And it so, mm-hmm.
4: inconvenient, or they're scared, or they just don't want to be fathers. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we're. Seeing in the Old Testament there was this reference to this valley and then Gehenna comes along as a word because it was Sheol before. And Gehenna is this word that has its root in this valley with all of this fire and torment and judgment and, and, and even punishment that we're going to see in just a minute. And then it was perpetual what it had nothing to do with the garbage dump. So what, where do we get this idea of the garbage dump? doesn't exist in Scripture. So where does
4: it come from? Interesting. (laughs) It
0: is throughout evangelical Christendom. And I can point
4: you to I
0: have, I can point you to three commentaries I looked at today. Today. From well-respected commentators and evangelical evangelical Christianity that make a passing reference to the Valley of Hinnom and Gehenna as a place of a of, of burning refuge. And yet there's not one scripture reference anywhere. I challenge you to find it. I never even it's
3: knew that to right now. So really, it's really fascinating. Because they're so
0: With a little bit of research of which I could do this much. (laughs) Okay, so you have to bear with me, I'm very fallible here. But I could do this much research, and I had to rely on people that had done the research that I could read. Okay? Um, But uh, I I spent a good portion of the day upon this today, and it's fascinating. So check this out there was a rabbi by the name of David Kinney. There was a lot of extra-biblical writing within Judaism about this valley and about the sacrifices and about these detestable things that were going on. So this is not just limited to the the biblical Old Old Testament references. This is a lot of books that are available today that were written several thousand years ago that we have. There's never a reference until A.D. 1200, 1200 years after Christ, this rabbi who happens to live in Europe is writing about these events that took place in this valley and he makes a reference as to the judgment of the wicked. Anybody have an NIV? Look at the NIV and tell me if there's a reference to Gehenna or the Valley of Hinnom. Um, You don't have to do it right now, but if you want to, you can do it and you can come back as a homework assignment and see if the commentary (laughs) in the NIV picks up on that theme. Because it's nothing more. it's not the truth and we have to and what are we responsible we're Bible students here that's what we're doing and we are to seek the truth and so we don't want even you don't know how the false teachers do it they put some lies in with some of the truth and it sounds so good doesn't it that's why we have to be very careful with teachers we have to be very careful when we check it uh-huh. We check scripture to make sure that what they're saying is correct. So the the interesting thing is, is that there is no historical evidence. And wouldn't you think, if the Valley of Hinnom was a place for a garbage dump, that there would be some archaeological evidence of that's where they threw all the stuff? Because how many there was there were a few million people in Jerusalem at the time. There is no archaeological evidence or historical. Nobody has written about that place being a garbage dump on fire until 1,200 years after Christ, which is, a, which is more than 1,000 years after when this was originally talked about in terms of the, 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 the pagan worship and the sacrifices that were going on there. So it's been picked up on, and in the church, it's not uncommon. So the caution is that if we're not careful with biblical accuracy, mm-hmm. we will then begin to believe, and again, I don't want to keep picking on this one guy all the time, but if you read the book Love Wins by Rob Bell, and he talks about hell, mm-hmm. about how he takes a very uni- universal, he's a universalist, yeah. <laughs> other and, and what he does is he takes this concept
2: of a burning <laughs> refuge dump and applies it
0: to his theology for suggesting that hell is really hell on earth. Yeah. There is no real place called hell. Uh,
4: make your own hell. And it is on earth.
0: And boy, we've all experienced that. Mark, you ever experienced something? This it's like, oh, this is I've said it myself. This is God. This must be what hell is like. <laughs> yeah, I'm living here. You know, well, the, you the
3: sad thing is, you're talking about this, but look how many things in the Bible churches put their little flare on and say, you know, if you get money, you're going to have piles and buckets full. I mean,
0: it's just... You'll see that, that when we find more. out. When we look at where hell is... Mm-hmm. And where people say hell is, then we also, where it's it's almost mandatory when we get to that question tonight, we have to look at, okay, then did Jesus go to hell? Because that's a very popular teaching in the church as well. Mm -hmm. Mostly coming from the the name and claimant groups. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's a very specific reason that they say that. But I would challenge you to find that biblically. And we're going to take a look. Enough of that. The point is, it is not written, so it is not true. I just want to make sure that that's clear. Very careful that you know what you believe and why you believe it, and that if it doesn't come from Scripture. It's extra-biblical, and it's only interesting, not necessarily true. It says,
4: <coughs> uh, Isaiah 60, mm-hmm. says that, and this is quoted in Mark nine forty-eight. Mm-hmm. the valley of Hinnom, Hebrew, Gehenna, from, from which the word Gehenna comes, it was located southwest of Jerusalem and became a picture of hell.
0: Mm, it became so a picture, and that's what the NIV says? Yeah. Perfect, because there are other commentators and commentaries and mm. study Bibles that take it that next step mm-hmm. and say that because it was, the, it was um, an eternal flame burning there because of the garbage dump that it was, mm. it is the picture of hell. So the NIV stops just short of that. So thank you for looking at that because I didn't look at the NIV today. I was too fascinated with the ones that were that were not biblically correct <coughs> try and trying to trace those down. So uh, again, enough on that. My point is simply this: henna is traces its roots back to the Valley of Hinnom, which was a detestable, horrible place. For all these outrageous things that were going on there, and we're about to see Jesus use this in his first century approach to teaching on hell. And that's what they would be understanding. So look at it has an uh, extra-physical document. It's yes. referred to Isaiah and Josephus
1: uh, just saying, just saying that uh, Interesting. So that's good. That's all. That's solid.
0: But we can go to lots of places and get just the opposite. And we can do that in extra biblical writing that is 2,000 years old. And we can get that from the first time that it was written that we can find in the first time it's recorded. It may have been said that this this rabbi uh, 800 years ago or so was the first recorded incident that it was a garbage dump. And then he wasn't. he wasn't even literal. He said it was just an analogy. But it was picked up on, and then of course we can go to somebody that is quite contemporary. Uh, the entire American movement has to pick up on that because they have to get rid of hell somehow. It, it even refers to that rabbi. Oh, okay. interesting. Talks about him too. He says someone died. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. So there it is. And so now we're confronted with Gehenna. We know what it is, and it's a horrific place, and it makes. R- to this valley where there was the slaughter of children, and it wasn't only children that were being slaughtered there. Not just children. There were were human sacrifices that were taking place there. And what else was taking place there according to 2 Kings? The despicable practices of what? Divination, mediums, sorcery, spiritists. You don't need to stop by the Palmer here. As curious as you <laughs> might be, <laughs> and what's the TV show where the lady from New York does the. Psychic <coughs> or what's <it> called, <coughs> the psychic lady on TV, there's a TV show. Uh, my wife loves to do that. How does she know that? Well, I'll tell you how she knows that. There's, there's evil spirits all around us. But the point is, is that none of that has any value. No value whatsoever. And it is detestable.
1: Uh
2: Not the definition, Gehenna is
0: a place for the dead that is analogous to fire, darkness, um, destruction, torment. All of the things that the Bible talks about in terms of trying to define hell for us is what the writer is in. Writers of both the Old and the New Testament are looking onto Gehenna, and so Gehenna is this place that is horrific, and it's described in these terms because Jesus is about to use this word, and he uses it twelve times in the New Testament himself. And so, and James, and we have to we have to understand. That the most horrific picture of hell is what he's talking about, and yet it's not the final hell, the lake of fire, which has very similar characteristics as we saw last week. So, we, we also just very briefly need to touch on the abyss, because we mentioned it last week, is Revelation what? Yes. Eleven seven eight. Okay. And so we see that scripture talking about the abyss which is this bottomless pit by definition. How deep is
4: bottomless?
0: <laughs> okay. I think of bottomless the same way I think of eternity. I can't measure it. So it's hard for me to relate to something that is bottomless, but it has no bottom. And it is unbounded and it is of immeasurable depth. So that's that's a picture. Okay. Is that literal, by the way? I
4: don't know. <laughs> it I don't must be. Know. It be must said. be because I they're in the vision.
0: Don't. It, you know. God anyway. And so if God wanted to make the abyss a bottomless pit, just because I don't understand bottomlessness doesn't mean that it's not literal. But it's just hard for me to grasp. But Revelation 11 says and talks about at the beginning of this millennial kingdom, there's this bottomless pit, the abyss, that, that is used quite graphically because who's there? <laughs> uh, it's exactly right and so and so and, and we looked last and very briefly And how long are the devil and his boys going to be there forever no no not forever never. That's, that's the lake of fire not quite not in the abyss they're different how long is he going to be there there's a definite period of time where he is going to born into the abyss there's a thousand years
4: A thousand years, going
0: but it's to going to be, be about a thousand years, and then we know that, we know from the end of it, he's going to do that, right? <laughs> he's going to be there, and he's going to be separated from us, and he's going to be there for a thousand years, and then he's going to be let out for a bit, and we'll look at that in just a minute, because now we have to take a look at these these four scriptures: it was nineteen, twenty, twenty ten, twenty fourteen, and fifteen, and then somebody grabbed Matthew. So if somebody could grab those scriptures. I'd like to read each one of those scriptures before we move on to what Jesus had to say because we need to deal with this leg of fire which is only mentioned in in, uh, uh, in Revelation. It's only mentioned in Revelation. That's hard to understand. I'm going to make it real simple because God's Word is going to speak real clearly. Somebody read Revelation 19, 20, please.
1: False prophet, were both alive into the lake of fire that burns us. Okay. And so, what did you just learn from that? From reading that, Mike?
0: What is Scripture telling us? Who's there? The beast. That's right. And the false prophet. And where are they? And they're in the lake of fire. And in what condition are they like when they're thrown into the lake of fire? No. What? No. What condition are they in? They're alive. That's important. Okay, so we have the beast and the false prophet, who we know what they were doing, and they are thrown into the lake of fire, and they're thrown in alive. So now we have our first occasion where we know who's in the lake of fire. What is the lake of fire? burning sulfur, and ultimately what is the lake of fire? I'm looking for one word. Hell. hell. The lake of fire is hell. When most of us refer to hell, we don't refer to it as as Sheol, as Hades, as Gehenna. We refer to it as the lake of fire, because that's the final place. So when we go forward, most of us, when we use the word hell, okay, so we say um, you know where is hell? We're talking about that final place. Okay, so from this point forward, we're going to be talking about hell as the lake of fire. Hell, as Mark said, is hell. That's what it is. Right now in Revelation 19:20, we got two people there. They were thrown in alive. Somebody read Revelation 20:10.
4: they will be for day and night forever and ever. Now who's there? The Daryl and the false prophet and the Trinity. I like to call them the Trinity.
0: <laughs> On the other side. The Holy Trinity. The old, the Holy Trinity you know? Um, and so there they are. So what we know now in Revelation is now there's three that are thrown into the lake of fire. That's what? Hell. Hell. It's
1: interesting, though, because um, I grew up, and Cindy also just mentioned it, too, that we both have the impression that the beast was Satan, but it's obvious obvious that it's not because there's there's three, and they are three. They're not three in one. That's right. right? That's
0: right. So they're all three separate entities. That's right. And, And that's a study. Just suffice it to say, there are three. And they are in the burning lake of fire. They are in hell. So far. So far. Let's keep reading. Revelation 20, verses 14 and 15. Somebody?
1: Verse 14 and 15.
3: All the way through 15. Those who did not have
0: their name written in the Book of the Living were thrown into the lake of fire. Huh, that's interesting, because I like the New King James, so that's the one that I I printed. Mm -hmm. The New King James says, then death and Hades Mm -hmm. were cast into the lake of fire. That's important, I believe, because what is death? Yeah, there's a, this is loaded. It's loaded. Because death isn't dead. Uh-huh. Death isn't just people that are dead. Because the death rate, you know, is still one per person. And what matters is what happens between now and then. But death and Hades. Why did God put those two together? What is Hades? That's the place of the dead, the And at this point, at this point, death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire. And then he calls it the second death. Because at this point, what is there no more of? Death. death is finished. The niece, the end, there is no more death. And those that died outside of Christ are now where? According to verse 15 in Revelation 1, they're in the lake of fire. Now who's in the lake of fire? There's a lot of people. Everyone whose name is not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. If that is not sobering, as we sit here, something's wrong.
4: The length of fire is the second
0: death. It's the same thing. It is the second death. There is no more death because we have we have death, death. We have spiritual death, and then we have ultimate death for these people. The ultimate death. There is no more death. And so when we what's because if this is of course analogous to what we just got done studying heaven. What happens in heaven? What is there no more of? It's the place of no more. There's no more death. There's no death. Death is thrown into the lake of fire. Hell. Okay? Death and Hades and everybody whose name is not written in the book of life are at this point in the lake of fire.
4: Is obviously part of it, but. There is a physical death that is Mm -hmm. going to take place. Mm -hmm. But this scripture, when it says that
0: death and Hades is loaded full, I mean loaded Mm -hmm. full. Mm -hmm. Because we're not just talking about people that have died and have been buried. Because what's going to happen? What do we know from the end times? What's going to happen to everybody that dies? Every single person that dies is going to (laughs) be. That's correct. Resurrected and judged. And what what is the judgment called before the lake of fire? White great white throne judgment that we saw in the end time study. And at the great white throne judgment, what are those people going to have to answer for? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a That's right. And what are we going <coughs> to answer for when we sit before the Lord That that is different than...
3: What he did with what he he gave us. That's all he wants to know. Mm
0: -hmm. Because why are we not going to have to answer for all of our sin? Jesus did. Because we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so all we have to do is ask forgiveness. And we know this from our previous study. The Bible says that the difference between believers non-believers now, is simply that God (coughs) separates us from that sin as far as the East is from the West. He remembers no more. That means that there's no recollection of it. He doesn't count it. He's not looking forward to talking to us about it because it's gone. Because Christ took that off. And so naturally, does this make sense? Naturally, in This is nothing more than what the plan is for that rejection <laughs> and that sin.
4: Mm-hmm. Bill, in 20-15, was saying, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The book of life mm-hmm. is... What is that?
0: That God has an iPhone six plus. <laughs> <laughs> and when somebody professes faith in Christ, his name is typed into the book of life. And and, and God's got that book.
4: Okay.
0: And if your name is in that book. Jesus says, "Scariest verse in all Scripture for me is." I never, never tell you. I mean, these are the kinds of moments where we have to consider: Are we? Is this an all-in moment? Or are we just? Or are we just messing around here? I mean, this is big-time serious stuff, okay? Because we're talking about people's eternal destiny here. It's easy in the church to talk about heaven. I like heaven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a whole lot I don't like about this there's a whole lot I would do different and there's just stuff that I'm I it just I'm not anxious about I'm unhappy with and it bothers me I mean if I'm honest Um, and yet Then He will say to those on His left, Depart from Me, you who are first, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The context here is He's talking about those. And who's talking, by the way, in Matthew 25, 41? Jesus <laughs> says, Hey, wait for me. He's separating the sheep and the goats. this is all about. We're going to look at that more in just a minute. And He says that, you know, your name's either in I love that anybody see anybody see the newsletter this week and the
3: good thing is he doesn't have That's right He doesn't have a good so yeah he's been a lead that's right. <laughs> I,
0: I, I love that yeah, if you haven't seen the newsletter uh, read the newsletter. I'm sorry ladies this is for the men for the men's thing the Delta groups it's, it's coming up and it's on one of those back pages and the first question is, men, are you saved? what <laughs> what what? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? I mean, ask yourself that question. Are you safe? Because if you're not, the consequences are dire. Man, you better get that squared away, right? Well, it's easy to have that conversation in this group. It's not so easy to have that conversation in a secular group. And yet, it's God's plan. So the lake of fire is that final hell. And according to Revelation and to Matthew, it describes itself as a burning place of sulfur. This is all imagery that is just, I mean, stuff that we just can't even imagine. We just can't even imagine for those that reject Christ. Why is it important to know this stuff? What hell is? What the names for hell are? Are. Um, How it's described. Why is that important? I, I think you a greater heart for the A greater heart for For sure. We're not to be Definitely not to be ignorant. Mm. And Do think perhaps if they understood the gravity of hell that that might detract them? No. Billy Graham said there's no bad way to get saved. I
3: like <laughs> <No> that. <family? laughs> there's no <laughs> bad way to get saved. The reason, the reason I said that is because the, the brother that tried out to be able to go and speak to the guy. So, he would not go to hell. And God said, uh, if you won't listen, would not Oh, uh, yeah, and then, you know, we're going to, you know, ultimately we're going to answer
0: this, this question, we question. That We've got a $64,000 question, and I'm hanging on to till the very end, you know. So, why would this loving God, that we worship, that we love, that loves us, why would he send anyone to hell? And when I asked that question two weeks ago, everybody, every single person in this room said, God doesn't send anybody to hell. And my response to that was, are you sure? Mm -hmm. That's another one of those questions. I want you to think about that for the next couple of weeks. Because it'll be kind of two weeks before we get there. Mm -hmm. And does God send anyone to
4: hell? Who
0: puts the name in life? Mm. Mm -hmm.
4: Don't you send Mm -hmm. cats?
0: We're going to look at that. Because question that really needs to be asked because that is the question that most people that are rejecting Christ come up with. I can never believe in a God that would send somebody to hell. If God
3: okay. wanted everyone to go to yeah. hell, mm-hmm. there would have been no Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, and we're going mm-hmm. to answer those questions.
4: Look and we're going to do it biblically not based on what we think. by giving him chances to make the right decision and time after time he, ch- he made the wrong decisions and every time he made the wrong decision his heart got a little harder. Mm-hmm. And God did that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well God is heart in the heart of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me why. <laughs> because he's holy and he can't. But the Israelites are going to be a <laughs> that's good now now, biblically speaking who's going to be in heaven? believers if your name is in the book of life you're going to be in heaven how long mark are you going to be in heaven? (laughs) for for an eternity how? where else are people going to go? based on the scriptures we just read excuse me hell Go ahead, it's okay, you can say it. Hardest of this is to say, if you're not in the book of life, if you're not a believer in Christ, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, nothing, you're not perfect, none of those things. If you just put your faith in Christ, you're going to heaven. If you haven't, the Bible says, you're going to hell. And, how long are you going to be there? Forever. According to God's ever. word. That's right, He says so, right here. It says that they are cast into the lake of burning fire, where they are going to be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the same eternity that you and I are going to be on the other side. Right, Bill, you, you know, you ask the question, "Does God send people to And so,
1: people working know, on this. I'm, I'm reaching, out, <laughs> but you know, God, God is the only one that can send anybody anywhere. So He has to. Now, if he sends them to hell, his attitude behind him sending them to hell is not what people are if People make it sound like if God sends people to hell, then he's not a good God. And you know God's feelings behind it are that he's hurt and distraught over the fact that people have to go to hell. Mm-hmm. you know, he gives a choice. And the choice, you know, if it's in his word and it's spelled out, if we make And there's a there's there's it's a bunch of behind that. The difference is there's it's, hey, it's not like right. I, it's not like <laughs> I'm <enjoy> punishing <laughs> my kids. i don't sit there and punch them. Oh, this is great, right. it hurts my heart, of right. course, and, it, and, it, and it's, it, it troubles me. That's right. And God loves us so much more than it must trouble him even so much more. <laughs> but He's the only one that can send anybody, anyway. You don't go to hell. But what the it even says that the angel comes down with a chain and chains up the beast and the, and the false prophet and casts them into hell mm-hmm. so they can't even go there on their own they're sent there by one of God's
3: angels but he's really not sending a person he's sending disobedience oh you guys are good <laughs> because what we're going to have to do
0: I like or what I don't like is not important. What's important is what God's Word says, because we have to be able to articulate this relatively clearly, and it's really not that complicated, and as a matter of fact, we can, we, when we get all done with this, we're going we're to condense this down, and this, this, the theology of hell and the doctrine of hell is going to be quite simple, but we have to understand what's behind it, because the more depth we have, the more able and equipped we are to be able to share with somebody if they ask a the question. So, you believe in hell? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay? And so, if we look at these scriptures and we see that there are people that are going to heaven and there are people that are going to hell and hell is defined now as the final hell. That is the lake of fire for an eternity. And we're going to see where that is and what it is and what it's like because we're curious about those things, aren't we? And, and yet, there are groups within Christendom that would suggest that really people only go to Hades. They don't go ultimately to hell or if they do go to hell, God is just going to ultimately annihilate them because he's such a good God. He wouldn't want them to be in torment forever and ever. And And they cite scripture references that would support their position and yet I'm totally unconvinced. Because the Bible clearly where it's unclear about some things it's very clear about this God's plan is for you to love him back because he already loves you and he wants no one to go to the place that is called hell that is the burning lake of fire where there is torment and gnashing of teeth and all of the things that we know about you
4: know somewhere it says that punishment is God's strange work he doesn't enjoy it he doesn't enjoy punishing anybody. Yeah, there's a lot of strangeness to this, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's,
0: it's strange, and it's hard, and it's unusual, and it's difficult. But it's not difficult to understand. Mm-hmm. It's just difficult to accept. Mm-hmm. And yet we believe it, because it's God's mm-hmm. truth. It seems
3: so to me that there's
0: been a lot more people that go to hell and Well, the Bible says that. Mm-hmm. What, does the Bi- what does the Bible okay.
4: say? So it's just a remnant.
0: What, what's uh, what's the what's the, uh, what's the path? Yeah. I mean you know, Jesus himself says that oh my gosh because he knows, mm-hmm. he knows. Uh, there's more people that are going to take the wrong path yeah. because they're more Satan-ish than they are Christ-like amen and because they want to. They certainly want to be like God. So, so we know the, these things are clear to us relative to um, what the Bible says about hell and its ultimate destination, meaning the destination of those that don't choose Christ. And so what would the first century Jew think? I want you to become a first century Jew right now because Jesus is going to talk to us in a second. I'm going the pages of scripture. Hmm. <laughs> I'm a Jew in the first century, and we've been talking about Gehenna, we've been talking about Hades, we've been talking about Sheol, we've been talking about the lake of fire in the abyss. What does a first century Jew know? Because Jesus isn't here yet. He, it's a bad place. How do we know that a first century Jew knows that, that hell is a bad place? prophets had said so. In fact, we saw last week that the word Sheol itself is written in the Old Testament 66 times. They would have been quite familiar with the concept of a place that the disobedient are going to go. And disobedient to what? If you're a first century Jew, get out of your 21st century Christian head. For a second. The Torah, the Talmud, what? The law. the law. The Law. They're trying to keep all 613 of them, and by golly, if you don't, you're going. I mean, they were works, so works oriented, these people were like, you yeah. <laughs> out! I have a couple of Jewish friends, and they're like that. You know, they're blown away. I told you about my, my friend, Ari Yasser, and it's. <coughs> You pray like that. You know, what do you mean how can I pray like that, Ori? He says, you just pray and just like it's coming right off the top of your head. So, well, asked that's how I talk to God, Lori. And I said, How do you do it? He opens up his prayer book <laughs> three times a day. He prays from the prayer book. So <laughs> you gotta chill out, man. You gotta loosen up. The God we serve, the God we serve. This is creation, you know. So, I went through all that with him. But to the Jew in the first century, they're trying to attain this position by by works, just the opposite of us. And so, they would have understand they would have understood this whole thing, this Gehenna, because now they would have understood the Valley of Hinnom and all it was going. long time before that and they were familiar. And so, we see that they're familiar with two things. Sheol, or Gehenna, as it is said in the Greek, same kind of concept, if you will. They're familiar with the concept. And they get the idea of punishment for not following the law from where. Well, let's go to the very first place. Uh, the first century Jew. Well, I'm thinking, it's in Genesis, but I'm thinking about something that would make it more clear to them. The first century Jew. Turn to Daniel 12. contempt word that is used here is, is an awesome word if you're a first century Jew. Because what do you suppose that that first century Jew was thinking about when Daniel says Daniel! We're talking Daniel. okay <laughs> And Daniel says that multitudes who sleep in the dust that's dead folks. He's talking about dead folks. Okay? Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. They're going to awake. What is he talking about? Resurrection. 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 I
2: believe in resurrection. Well, the
0: Sadducees sure didn't, but here he's talking to the first century Jews, and they're standing up, and probably some of them are trying to figure it out. Yeah. Because the Pharisees are saying one thing, the Sadducees are saying something different and their son mm-hmm. in both camps. The Sadducees say, ah, there's no resurrection. The Pharisees say, oh, you better believe there is. And Daniel says, oh, you better believe there is. Metaphor. Absolutely. But is this is let me ask this question. In Daniel twelve two, is he talking metaphorically or actually? He's predicting resurrection. Actually. Actually. <coughs> actually. This is the real deal. There's no metaphors, there's no figures of speech, there's a lot of those kinds of things in scripture. But not here. Daniel says there's dead folks mm-hmm. that are gonna awaken. Why
3: is it that the <coughs> So many people don't want to believe in Jesus, but they want to believe in works. Works is much harder. Oh, you think so? But they 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 they, they don't want to believe that Jesus will lead you to heaven, but they want to believe works will lead you to heaven. Gift give grace is too simple for that... Yeah, there you go. And as we're Pride? Because it's themselves doing it. Mm-hmm. It's as so simple
1: as children can understand and people are it
3: you. know, when I was running the muck and everything out back in the day, I was not work for nothing. <laughs> 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 you, know, you know, I was not door to door for anyone.
0: Still struggle? If you're honest with yourself, tell me now. If you're honest with yourself, don't you don't you have just that little bit of a struggle with, you. Oh Lord? Like Do you love me that much? Do you really forgive me? Maybe I should serve just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Right. You know I'm, maybe there's a couple more little brownie points I could get. No, no, it's once for all. It's done. You know, good good. <laughs> you know I, I think that's where that's
3: the scripture you gave that you said you totally hate is the one, get away from me and never know me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think that sometimes the way it's used in church makes people question the it book of life. Because it's, sure. it's not, when it's normally used, it's not followed through with you've accepted Jesus.
0: Every other cult and world religion, with the exception of Christianity, is works-based. All right. Every single one. Because it appeals to our human sensibilities. Because a God of grace is much too easy to accept. And so cultures are built around works. And so are religions. And so are religions. And so The only true religion—oh, there I go, being narrow-minded again. uh, Mm -hmm. Only true religion is not works-oriented because love can't be about works. Because you love your wife with—with, if you're honest, you love her unconditionally, based on—okay, you don't do that perfectly—based on the fact that you are going to take particular action, not. About and that's exactly what God did. He took action. Jesus Christ was the action, and that's hard for people to deal with. But back to Daniel for a second, so we can so we can finish up tonight. The, 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 the dead folks that are in the dust of the earth, that they're dead and buried, are going to awake. That's everybody, according to Daniel. And some of them are going to go to everlasting life. And who's he talking about there? The others mm-hmm. are going to go to everlasting contempt, and that word contempt is really interesting because he didn't say and go to everlasting. What could it? He said hell. He could have said hell. He could have said punishment. He could have. He could have said a lot of things, but he said contempt. And the interesting thing about contempt is, what do we know about that word contempt? Disobedience, scorn, disdain, sorrow—it's—it's it's a much more powerful word. frankly, like right when you know what is behind the word uh, contempt, and, and even, it even—it even denotes uh, wretchedness and disgust. All of these things that are quite the picture of hell. Quite the picture of hell. Because the, what we're going to see next week, when we look when we look at Lazarus and the rich man, we're going to see that. Holy smokes. Good, and we have to deal with that because there's a lot to be learned from that so this place of everlasting contempt where the wicked are going to go is hell and the rabbinical writing on this place that we call hell that they called Sheol in the Old Testament is is there are volumes that are written volumes Tend to think of it very narrow-minded because we're Christians and we are you know we're into the Word of God. But the Jews would have rabbinical writing, and there were volumes of information written on hell. And it's all about a place of fire and darkness and everlasting torment and sadness and grief and judgment, <laughs> even for the Jew. And so we have to understand that as we see what the Jewish mind. his audience, which of course we're not going to see the last week now because I'll talk to mm-hmm. um, but we but we have to know that and so we're going to bring that with us next week. We're going to bring that knowledge of what that first century Jew would be understanding. And um, he would understand punishment and he would understand punishment for not following the, uh, oh. the law. <laughs> that's what that's what they were engaged in is the law and Following the law, and every single one of them knew that they could. Wow! Wow! That's really, that's really powerful stuff. When we start talking about what Jesus had to say about hell. So, the question for next week is: I want you to think about it. when Jesus comes on the scene. Do you think he affirms or rejects this first century Jewish idea of hell? Does Jesus affirm or reject this first century Jewish idea of the hell that he's justified? interesting question, and we have to read what he has to say because I'll give you a quick precursor. How did he deal with the religious leaders of the day in his three and a half year ministry? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He rejected virtually everything that they were teaching. (laughs) Virtually
4: everything. He said that they were lost if they went all around the world trying to get somebody so we to believe the way he, he did, he and they right. did twice as lost as he was.
0: Yes. He yeah. The fruit of Vipers comes to mind. I mean, there's, you know, he had a lot of choice things to say about them. But next week we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about hell. Mm-hmm. He had a lot to say, and he was very specific. Mm-hmm. And then we're also going to look. Is this the same Jesus we worship? Mm -hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. so the next thing to think about for the next seven days, and then we get together again, is have we been thinking about the sanitized Jesus?
1: Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: the one. That's the one that we like. So, so that's the setup for next week. Is it a a jump right. Question? It's <laughs> not a trick question. It's a real question. It's a real question that we're going to get a real answer to next week because Jesus speaks very specifically about. it. And, and by the way, where's he? Right-handed <laughs> <laughs> guard. He's
3: preparing a them for me. Well, I can answer. At the risk of sounding like I'm a critical spirit, I think just about everybody was here last week except so Mark Bodecombe and the Sunday pastor. I'm
1: going to say the same thing I said last week.
3: some of which are local are leading people astray I don't think you need to feel bad about picking on many to people the clear truth well, I, uh, thank you for saying
0: that I think it's important um, that uh, it, when they're contemporary because we're familiar with them it's, over, it's okay to just identify what they're teaching because we have to call out the false teacher in fact what do we know about the false teacher uh, and Jesus had a little something to say about that yeah. Yeah. never to have yeah. been thrown around your neck and uh, you know you think about all of those things and, uh, uh, and so you know the judgment for a false teacher uh, is, I don't know think about it I just don't even want to think about it so uh, thank you for this evening when I close in rare prayer